0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Curious Church Podcast. Last time we started an episode, we had our headphones on. Yep. And we were listening
1: to the theme as we got started. And I kind of liked that. Did you like that? Yeah, it certainly pumped me up. Yeah. You know, it's... about an hour ago, I had lots of energy. I was like, this is going to be a good recording. And now, as I sit here, I just feel a little lethargic. I've eaten some food. It's kind of that energy has oh. now crashed. And it's like, what i really need is a jingle in my ears it's but su- it's surprising how
0: that music can really get you going really yeah, get you started that's true so maybe we, that needs to be just what we do now probably so we'll find out after this episode we'll do a little a b test
1: <laughs> there you go <laughs> <laughs> well, what makes a better episode for us this is matt by the way hi oh this is Aaron. Like should... still Aaron. um and i think we should welcome
0: our guest in yeah, right off the bat, as soon as possible, ASAP. And, and he's been—I I, mean—a regular guest at this point,
1: frequent, frequent. Are guest we an, being an
0: Frequent, regular, frequent I guest.
1: <laughs> an F cop, frequent guest of the podcast.
0: You oh, recognize wow. that that voice? That's the Doctor Reverend Kevin Adams. Welcome, Kevin.
2: Thanks. It's great to be here. Although I'm, I have like headphone envy. Suddenly, I'm just feeling like I missed out. But yeah, being did. with you guys is always a good thing. <laughs> well, we, it's good to have you. We
0: need one more set of headphones. We need a guest headphones thing. We'll we'll work
1: it out. Everybody. I got some Don't new headphones, about. so I can. I have my own headphones. Oh, now. you do? Okay. So we're we're All set. Right. All right, good. I, hey, this is episode forty. 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 Forty is a milestone. Oh. That's kind of wild, isn't it? And here's what I found out about 40 today. People might know. If, if you know me, you know I like numbers. But here is a non-numerical significance to 40. 40. How is that possible? Well, you're it's about a to number hear. 40 is the only word form of a number where the letters all appear
2: in alphabetical order.
1: <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. Isn't that amazing?
2: <laughs> that makes my inner OCD so happy. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I don't have to rearrange the uh-huh. letters. Isn't that amazing? It <laughs> is so amazing. Not technically having to do with it being a number. That that's good. I love that fact. Where does but, one go to learn such an astonishing thing?
1: Well, I mean, really, it was just a Google search about 40, and then it was on a page's bonus facts about the number. Right. So the rest of the page has some weird kind of. Bible, cryptology right. stuff going on. But then that bonus fact was worth the price of admission. No, absolutely. Do you think
0: between the three of us, we could cover a little pop quiz about how and when 40 appears in, within the pages of the Bible? What do you mean? Like, could we create a pop quiz or could no, we answer? No, could, could we answer?
2: Could we both ask and answer a pop quiz? <laughs> yes, on we the fly.
0: <laughs> the thing about asking about a quiz and answering it is you're always right. It shows up a lot, <laughs> yeah. right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What question would you like to ask and answer? <laughs> yeah, we we'll go around. Everyone ask and answer their own question. I did think, I mean, I was thinking, obviously, of about the significance of 40 in the Bible. And right. That of people of who course. Have, people who have journeyed with us through this podcast, it's sort of like they have wandered in a desert for 40, oh, 40 sure. years. Oh, sure. They are about
2: yeah. to be liberated.
1: Or 40 days in the wilderness being tempted sure. uh, to turn off the podcast, really. But, or 40 days and nights of rain yeah misery and they're
0: feeling rain they're they're being
1: (laughs) they're being flooded out of their homes by (laughs) this thing that we're doing so mostly positive connotations i think for people listening today okay good well that's that's
0: something to celebrate i mean it's uh that's a lot of episodes again i know i said this a couple episodes ago doesn't seem like that much seems like we've been doing this a long time to only be at 40 <laughs> yes. You know what I mean?
2: that is true it, it, and it's amazing your family's wrote us many times in the church saying this will never last <laughs> and now look at you guys 40 episodes yes <laughs> 40 episodes
1: oh well done everyone all the guests one time co-host who we won't name aaron forgot yeah, myself mm-hmm. co-host thanks to everyone yeah thanks to everyone who made it made it possible made it possible <laughs> listeners
0: do you want to kick it off you seem ready to beef I like chicken and turkey with cheddar. I like a tofu burger, but bacon is better.
1: So what's your beef? Sure, I can kick it off. My beef is the least personal beef. Sounds like your beef is going first. Uh, no, that's fine. That was I'm, happy, I'm, happy, I'm happy to go first. I was just deciding on where I might fit, but it's fine for me to lead off. Okay. My beef is not of a personal nature. Usually it is, but this time is a rare exception. Because sometimes you just have to lament the brokenness in the world. And I stumbled across an article today. And listeners to two episodes ago would know from the conversation with my father, David Timms, that I am a McDonald's lover. I do love McDonald's. I have the McDonald's app on my phone. One could say, ba-da-ba-ba-ba, you're loving, loving it. it. Yes, <laughs> this is true. I have the <laughs> McDonald's app on my phone so I can order with convenience. I can show up outside the McDonald's, punch in the number, and they'll bring their food to me.
2: Do they recognize you? Do they say, hey, Matt, good no, to see you again? No, they don't recognize okay. me. They don't recognize me. But then... they bring Wait, they bring food out to you? Well, I yes. I don't know about if, this. It, so
1: I have my app. I place my mobile order. I pay... Or... I show up at the place, I say I'm here, I put in the little number of the outside delivery and then they'll walk it out to me. If I don't want to go through the driveway, this is first
2: class treatment. I had no idea this. This is like existed. frequent flyer miles
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at McDonald's. Do
0: you say, hey, I'm in the Silver Corolla or something? No, you just
1: put, there's actually a couple of parking spots at um, most all the McDonald's around here. Okay. And you put in the number of the spot where you're at, and wow. then they come and bring you your food. I love it. So it's great. Uh, <laughs> and so the app has treated me well, but I found out today about some potential security holes in this app. And I'm just going to read, this is <laughs> just part of this. And this is really, so it's a nice intersection of my love of McDonald's, and I lived in Canada for a couple of years, so I'm always concerned about my friends in the Great White North. So here's an article that's based in Canada. Since January, there have been reports of a mysterious fraudster, or fraudsters, they don't know, Uh known in the Canadian media as the Quebec Hamburglar, who hacks Uh McDonald's app accounts and racks up... Hundreds or even thousands of dollars in charges on unsuspecting customers linked credit and debit cards by ordering meals for pickup in the province. <laughs> the latest victim of this criminal enterprise is a Toronto tech writer, Patrick O'Rourke, whose app account was used to order, and this is where I want you to guess. How much do you oh think my. his app was used to order? It's not a mind-blowing amount, but it's a significant One amount. single order? Keeping with the theme no. of the day, I say 40
2: 40? 40 40 dollars <laughs> no 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 oh 40. I say 40 Big Macs okay 40 meals. Big Macs 40 meals okay 40 yeah. Big Mac meals that's my guess oh, uh feels low, but it's the theme of the day
0: yeah that's good that'd be um, in the range
2: of
1: like 300 dollars somewhere in there right
0: okay I'll say one dollar okay neither of you are right I think Kevin went over
1: uh, <laughs> 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 it's the price is right the rolls. price is right exactly Patrick O'Rourke's app account was used to order in US dollars $1,512 oh worth of oh. McDonald's menu items including McNuggets, Big Macs so good call Kevin McFlurries and Poutine which is of Poutine course Canadian thing yeah, sure. if you're in Canada so my beef today is with the Hamburglar who's doing this, who's taking advantage of just people who wanted a little convenience. It might be a little twofold, mostly with the Hamburglar. I can't believe people are out here abusing abusing other people's trust of the McDonald's app. But then a little bit the McDonald's app for not having sufficient security that their app can be hacked and used to order 1,512 US dollars worth of McDonald's. So
0: this was charged to
1: Mr. O'Rourke's whatever payment. Yes. Method he had on file Correct. with the like McDonald's his credit ad. card or debit card, and he's only one victim. He's not the only one, which is really crazy. And I don't understand where all this food is going. Is the theory this hamburglar
2: shares it with family and friends and neighbors? I mean, that it, would it must out, be. out him or her. It might it might be a whole hand. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Hello, we have struck the gold mine again. <laughs> Nuggets for the whole neighborhood.
1: <laughs> it's possible it's a whole like hamburglar ring. Like there's a burglar gang who has cracked the code, um, but hamburglar robin hood anyway it just it just made me sad that there's people out there it made me feel insecure in my use of the mcdonald's app uh, that's my beef it's a beef with the hamburger. It, but it's not you're right it's not it's not a personal
0: beef
2: no it's more okay. a lament all right yeah, yeah. The brokenness of the world yeah, yeah. even canada <laughs> even it has brokenness canada. Canada. <laughs> <laughs> even canada
0: oh <laughs> uh, there you go that's my okay. Very, did you do you have one, Kevin?
2: I I have two, but I'll, oh, I'll a I'll I'll take one. We anyway. need like a. There needs to be an yeah, alarm for da, a da, tooper. Da. <laughs> <laughs> he gets one week <laughs> off and he gets all full of beef. That's right. I'm coming back from vacation and I've got beef, yep. people. Okay, and they are a bit vacation related. The the one beef uh, I'll start with is people. Who are in your back? Who I thought them. you were just
0: going to say people?
2: <laughs> people, people. That is a beef you're I have. It's an ongoing beef I have. But to be specific, it's those who love their music so much. Uh, you know where I'm going with this. I think they so. share it with the world. Yeah. So you're sitting in your backyard. You're in, enjoying a little solitude. You're reading a wonderful novel. You're lost in something, and your neighbors say, "Hey, I would like to share my music with the world." <laughs> the whole world <laughs> sometimes it's neighbors 20 30 homes or places down who are so intent on sharing that yeah. they make it possible for you to hear oh. so i know that could be petty but that's my beef and i'm sticking to it i think the world is
0: full of way too much sound yes and just the opportunity to to not have sound for a while i mean it just it almost feels invasive i mean i guess it yeah. is invasive yeah. but uh to be clear
1: if you're listening to this podcast, please turn it up.
2: <laughs> it Break it up.
1: Do dum, share it with the world. Dum, we're talking specifically dum, about other Especially if you're audio. in a
2: car. Yeah. yeah, that's right.
0: Well, and you were recently in a place where sort of valued, the like the main thing right. is, should be some silence. Right.
2: And some stability. So, you know, you yeah. hear, if you hear the sounds of outdoors, you know, even, even uh, Stellar Jays, for, I was up in the woods, up in the... <laughs> In Tahoe area. And uh, yeah, you know, you, there's certain birds that are a little more obnoxious than others, certain uh, creatures, yeah, yeah. right? But even that is kind of happy noise. Like, you have a happy meal, you have a happy noise, and uh, <laughs> you just kind of go with it. But yeah, I so folks need to get in a hot tub or they need to, you know, play music while they're mowing the lawn <laughs> over the sound <laughs> of the engine, <laughs> I think. Uh, I love your music, but... Not now, About yeah. I get to choose and you get to choose, especially in the land of headphones. So, yeah, right, you know, right. it's not a plea for everyone to wear their headphones all the time, but just, yeah, think about your neighbors. Like this that. is good.
0: This is classic this golden is, rule stuff. That's good beef. Do you want to do you want to do a second or do you want to save it for next uh, time? Let's
2: let's leave a little anticipation out okay, there. Okay, yeah, I'll save. i see if I remember my beef. So but, if
0: you yeah. see Kevin within the next few weeks, know that he's he's holding <laughs> your it music. in. <laughs> turn <laughs> yeah, up your music. Turn up your music. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, your music. you you know, yours is really good, and it reminded me of. Um, of one that I have that that I will also save, so I'll use my original one, and that is—that was quite
1: the tease. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <It reminds laughs> the <G1 laughs> that I will also <laughs> save. <laughs> 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 <Just> <laughs> cliffhangers all throughout this episode. Oh, that's right. If you want I know we're hoping for 40 more and this is how <laughs> sure. we're doing this. I think our
0: listeners are clamoring for new things to be annoyed by <laughs> yeah, in their lives. True. They're looking for more dissatisfaction in their lives. Uh but I will share this personal one. My uh my my son Ian, is 8 years old and we're we've just begun to embark on this Journey of orthodontics.
2: Oh, Oh. that's 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 a threshold, right there.
0: Yeah, this is a thing that you never imagine ever having to deal with in your life, and then, bam,
1: there it is. Did you did you have to deal with orthodontics, like personally? Matt, I'm getting there. Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't worry. <question laughs> <me. laughs> you just said you never have.
0: You never imagine having to deal with. Well, in your life. you're you're right. But the being the oh, being the, being the responsible party. Gotcha. There are a lot of these moments in parenting where you're like, oh yeah, now I have to do this, and there's there was no, you know, this is a bit of a cliche, but it there's wasn't no sort of manual. Right? There's yeah. no
2: manual for this. Stuff. Wasn't in a long-term budget that started when they were one <laughs> right. years old. Right. And what's happening,
0: I feel like, is. The orthodontics people, and there are a lot of industries like this, oh. know that you are an unsuspecting, oh, no. uneducated person when it comes to orthodontics. And I feel like they may be using that to their advantage financially. That's how I feel. I you feel a little in, bit like I'm getting fleeced. They're just blasting
1: their music,
0: disorienting
2: <laughs> you. <laughs> That's right. Right, right. <laughs> Jamming up the sounds of yeah. the dental office
1: next door, <laughs> throwing <laughs> bills at you while they just munch on McChicken sandwiches. <laughs> are there specifics? That well, okay. I want so, to rush you now. No, he's so we specific companies names. Well, we are or, yeah.
0: <laughs> so that's that's fine. I mean, I guess whatever. And we are we're fortunate enough to have coverage for most, like insurance coverage for most of that's his big work. That yeah, is that huge. Is big. So that's great. But it got me thinking about something that's been bothering me. Now we're getting to the heart of my beef, which is that I have these two overlapping teeth in my lower row of teeth. Oh. And this is the result of incompetent orthodontics from my own youth. Oh, wow. Where I had like a little retainer thing built in. The dentist orthodontist was... Uh, He had some sort of a pretty serious illness, and he would miss a lot of appointments.
2: (laughs) Oh, what! (laughs) So what happened is
0: (laughs) it got left in too long. So they were straight at one point, but then they just moved the other way, and that's when they crowded each other and overlapped. Oh my goodness! That's when. So I, I got the thing taken out too late. And they didn't. And it's impossible to correct. Well, you know. I wasn't really in control of any of (laughs) that situation at that age. But uh, it's been something that's bothered me all the time. It'd be one thing if I was born like this and I would just live with it. But at one point in my life, it was correct. And then the orthodontist made it worse.
2: (laughs) The unorthodontist. (laughs) (laughs) Wow.
0: So that's my, my beef is with my orthodontist from nineteen ninety. 1980, late 80s, and uh, I would like him to come back and and fix, and this. fix this. Yeah, free Make of charge. It right. So with now that we're on this orthodontics kick, I actually did did do a consult with the new orthodontist, oh, saying, yeah. "Hey, you know, I got that told in the story. Hey, hey. Oh yeah, we take a look at this. It was going to be uh, ast- it was going to be outrageously expensive to do, even with coverage. And, and then you won't also be able to hit that high C. <laughs> for, for, for. <laughs> well I'd have to wear like uh, you know trays for six months oh, yeah. and all that kind of stuff so I wasn't super interested in that maybe I'll look into it but it was very expensive and it seems like a very small correction so my beef is with just orthodontists all around the ones who over size, <laughs> the ones who <laughs> under orthodontistize <laughs> the amount that they charge for all their work I think is crazy so orthodontists if you're out there you're not It's Wednesday, so you probably have off. You're probably on your boat or the golf course.
1: (laughs) You're probably letting children's teeth just crisscross in all kinds of ways. So remember episode 40,
2: when Uh, one of his children becomes... That's right. ...an orthodontist. (laughs) That's right.
1: That, that went all kinds of places. It did. That was a little bit all over the no, place. No, no, no. So. But uh, you were angry about every part of it, which is what I appreciate. <laughs> it's so a series angry. of beefs yeah, rolled yeah. into it one was the, big... It was all beef. Um, what do you think about uh,
0: moving on Let's do to it. our conversation? Now, in light of our conversation about playfulness last episode, we talk about kind of how we have this playful section, mm-hmm. and then we have, I guess, the opposite of the playful section. Yeah, very serious. But I think what we should be really intentional about serious. is keeping the playfulness
1: in this part of the conversation. I can help with that. Good. Because we're a, here for you.: I have a metaphor. <laughs> I have a metaphor to frame our conversation. Oh, OK, image. Okay, because I was thinking about a way in. Yeah, take us in. Okay, so here's what I was thinking. So we talk about worship a lot. Yeah, this podcast. So that's pretty true. So far, no one has tried to stone us or tell us not to not do that. (laughs) They don't know your address, and we're yeah, that's right. And we're not. We're just naturally interested in worship. We're professionally interested in worship. So there's a number of layers here, and we think it's a pretty formative thing. But I thought if we imagined our conversations about worship in terms of a house, okay, we've talked quite a bit at times about the furniture. Of the house, So the things that are like sort of the decorative elements, the ways we do things. We've talked about how we move in the house. Sometimes we talk about the occupants of the house. But today, we have Kevin with us because we want to talk about the blueprint of the house. In other words, the structure of worship. And I don't know that we've had that conversation before. What do you think? This is good. He's good. Yeah. Does that yeah. work is kind of... So today we want to talk about the structure, and this is coming from or flowing out of uh, a worship seminar that we recently did where Kevin, and we'll hear more about where this came from for you, Kevin, talked about structure of worship services, which there's a Latin word, a fancy Latin word that Kevin has to say for us. It's orthodontics.
2: <laughs> oh no, that was uh, some another life. It's called ordo. So, if you want to impress your friends, talk about the worship ordo. O r d o. Yeah. Ordo, and ordo meaning, uh, yeah, the order. Basically, okay. would be a simplest yeah. translation, right? The deep uh, under the deep structure underneath all worship. So, blueprints a good way to think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, in some sense,
1: every right. So maybe you're listening and you're thinking, my, my church, or wherever I'm at, we don't have an ordo. We, you know, right, we we don't do ordos. That sounds way <laughs> it that sounds way, do, way more than it. yeah. But you the reality is, all of us have some form.
0: You have one. one. You just don't
1: yeah. really know. We might it not necessarily. articulate it. Yeah, Sometimes right. we'll talk about yeah. this when it comes to liturgy, right? So some churches are like, "Oh, we're not a liturgical church." But really, if liturgy is just kind of meaning something like an order of worship or practices right. that you engage in consistently, almost there's some uni- there's some Christian traditions that would be unique in this, but almost every Christian. Tradition has some kind of order, and every church has some kind of order that you do. If you show up three or four times, you'll you'll start you to become aware see of it. it. The, right, right. But in some sense, that even that version of talking about the order is still it can still be kind of furniture, right? So when we're talking about two songs, you know, two songs, a prayer, another song that that is more furniture. And today we want to zoom out even a little bit more. I think is that right, Kevin? Sure. Um, sure. So, talk to us a little bit about this idea of Ordo, where it comes from,
2: maybe why it matters get us started. Sure. Yeah, that's great, Matt. So, um, I think Ordo matters because it puts us in touch with the deep wisdom of the church. Hmm. And Ordo matters because the deep wisdom of the church is connected to the New Testament and the Gospels. So... Um, A lot of times we can end up practicing things, or we can end up uh, copying things, imitating things, or doing creative riffs off things we've seen, not knowing where the deep uh, order or structure of the original came from. So, like in Ordo, there's four basic moves in the classic vintage, you could say, Ordo. That many would argue worship scholars would argue this comes from the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, so the deep ordo would be a water, start with water, some kind of baptismal remembrance, it may include water, it may not include water, it may include um, something like confession and assurance, so water, and then it would include uh teaching, so some kind of uh like. Matthew starts with the baptism of Jesus, the Gospel of Matthew, and then it goes to the Sermon on the Mount almost immediately. Uh, and then it would and talk about table, some kind of most churches in most places of the world and most continents and most generations have had weekly Eucharist or communion, so table, and then some kind of sending. So, in Matthew, again, it would be the Great Commission is what we talked about. Okay, now you've received water, You've received teaching, you've experienced the table, that kind of grace. Now you are sent to uh, go into a world full of overflowing with beefs that needs healing, <laughs> right? That needs healing and love and grace. Yeah. You know, I, I, so I was there and I heard you talk
1: about this. I think it's settling in in just a new way for me, the idea that this mirrors gospel ordo, like yeah, the gospel that story, which is mm. really an interesting way. I can see people saying, well, that's, but that's just narrative structure. What do you think is the significance of having these sort of laid on top of each other? Like why, I mean, in some sense, it's just a pattern that is sort of satisfying and makes sense. But is there something kind of deeper, you think, in those elements or what's, what's the significance of that?
2: Yeah, I think uh, one way to think about it, there's a Russian uh, Orthodox, not orthodontist, Orthodox <laughs> priest uh, named Alexander Schmemann. And Alexander Schmemann says the church when the church practices this ancient liturgy. When the church does, the liturgy is a word that means the work of the people. So when we are engaging in any kind of liturgy, whether it's formal, whether it's informal, whether it's something that we've spelled out or something we've just practiced and we can't remember, we, we got it from grandma who got it from her great-grandparents, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, wherever we get it from, the deep ordo, when, when we practice this, we this is a great line from Alexander Schmemann, we, that we become ourselves. The church actualizes. So we become our truest, deepest selves when we follow this practice. So one way to think about it is we become our truest, deepest selves when we live the gospel story or we rehearse the gospel story. So then rather than... Uh, I mean, we always want to engage people. You can talk about difference maybe between engaging and entertaining, but if we're only there to say we want to kind of hook people or get them to make a simplistic uh, or simple conversion, which for a lot of people can be an important marker, uh, granted, that's, that's one way to approach worship. But another way to approach worship is to say we are, we are becoming ourselves. We are living our, the deepest part of our story, and we are entering into this timeless story.
0: I I like I love this. And I'm I'm also i maybe I'm a little bit behind here because I'm also seeing that the I'm looking I'm looking at a flip uh what's that called? An easel, I guess. Yeah, flip, flip chart, chart, easel. Flip chart. High tech. High tech. Yeah. Here, at Grand <laughs> Springs chart. Markers and paper. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: right.
0: Uh but it has the it has kind of the main elements that you were just talking about on it. And it's like we in some ways we if If a church service is doing this every week we're su- we're in a way kind of living some of the main ideas yeah. of Christ's time on earth so with with water and baptism and with word and preaching and prayer and of course the the table and and celebrating his um, death and resurrection sort of every week um that's an interesting i hadn't I hadn't quite thought of it exactly like that. Before. So I think stuff is kind of interesting.
2: Yeah, I think that's great, Aaron. So one of the things we don't think about is so imagine, imagine a child who comes to church brought by mom and dad. They're two years old. Then they're five. Then they're ten. This happens quickly. Then they're fifteen. They're twenty-five. Mm-hmm. So imagine imagine they come to thirty services a year, uh, sun, Sunday. So that's that's quite a few. It's not uh, every week kind of mm-hmm. thing. But so now they're they're twenty years old and they've come to thirty. So they've heard six. They've participated in six hundred rehearsals. Of this ancient story. So the idea is that has some formative effect. Sure. So they're not, they don't go to worship with the idea of, oh, I wonder if it'll captivate me today. I think that hopefully the teaching will. I mean, Jesus says uh, profound things in the Sermon on the Mount. So I think they're pretty captivating, but it's not, the point isn't to be captivated or to be moved or to have. Um, some kind of uh, unique experience. The point is to become your truest, deepest selves, uh, which is to be a worshiper living in the image of God. Mm-hmm. This of course is is exactly what you're
0: saying is what we've talked about and what we continue to talk about in terms of slow worship, where it's, right. there aren't a lot of flash bang moments. There are, there are of course epiphanies along the way, but you're, we as, people creating and, and leading worship want to form worshipers over a, a long amount of time, maybe over a lifetime.
2: Yeah, and I think one of the beautiful things, my friend Father Chris Flesaurus, who has been on the podcast... Uh, I don't went, think he cared for it. He did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He would be the orthodox guy. Um, he
0: would, do you he, remember him putting us in our place time yeah, and time yeah, again? Yeah, that yeah, great. yeah. I yeah
2: do he, remember he has a gift like, for doing that in a very winsome uh, kind I of vague way. I memories of
1: him saying something like, how, do you guys, how can you afford to waste so much time <laughs> sitting
2: here? <laughs> I, I would love to have him back, but yeah. sorry to yeah. interrupt. Because he too. adds a lot of joy to... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because he adds a lot of joy to wherever he is. Um, but he, he would say when he watches uh, Protestant folks, maybe evangelical folks, especially in the Protestant world, trying to make stuff up every week and the, the pressure yeah. to make something up every week, to, be, to have the music be maybe just a little better... To have the lights or whatever kind of auxiliary things are going on to be a little sharper, a little sweeter, to have the sermon be a little a little more engaging, that just feels like a lot of pressure to him mm-hmm. as someone who says, "You know what we're loving is the deep wisdom of the church we don't ha- it's not on let's say the three of us in this room or whoever's leading worship or guiding. It's not on them to be super uber creative instead it's a gift you receive and you live into um, it's a whole different way of thinking about things mm-hmm. right, and I don't know. Matt, if you wanted to go there, but a contrast to the yeah, kind definitely. of classic ordo of water and then word or teaching and then table and sending. Um, this is the big shift is what are about to talk the, yeah, about. Yeah, this is a big shift. And and the, the, you could compare and contrast this with what might be called the frontier ordo. And um, yeah, Melanie Ross talks about this in her book, Why the Divide, liturgical versus evangelical. So, uh, that's one place to get it from. But there's an old... Frontier Ordo that was born in the 1800s in the United States. And it's basically it goes like this there's a warm up. Uh, and often, when you hear people in an evangelical church talk about worship, what they're talking about, Melanie Ross would describe as the warm up. Worship includes the songs. And, and, and a lot of times, that's what it is it's music with some kind of teaching or some kind of testimony interspersed in it. There's the warm up, and then there's the sermon and then after that becomes this kind of uh, altar call. So the idea is you warm them up, you give them the message, and then you have them follow Jesus, which you understand the impulse of this because this this connects with people individually, it connects with people personally, uh, it connects. It has people make one of those decisions to follow Jesus, which can be a wonderful milestone in people's lives. People at Grant Springs uh, have experienced that over the years and found it really helpful to have like a marker where they said, this is, this is the time mm-hmm in my life where it changed, but one of the disadvantages is it's disconnected from this uh, deepest ordo wisdom of the church. It becomes a little bit more uh, up to the person who's leading music, up to the person who's preaching, up to the person who's responding, um, rather than really focused on the glory and the grace and the wonder of God. And in some ways, uh, you could argue that it also leaves things a little... Um, it's kind of a short version of the gospel. It's me and Jesus, and that's all that matters, Mm -hmm. where the deep wisdom, the sending into the world to participate in the healing of the world, this kind of living out of your kingdom come, your will be done is a different, fuller kind of embrace. Yeah. Not to be too simplistic. Sure. Mm. No, it's helpful to bring up kind of this
1: contrasting order. I'm curious to just prod this a little bit because it's hopefully articulated, but for the person who is preaching, let's say... Uh, so we 're trying to lean into the classic ordo, but we still have preaching right um and you give significant effort to your sermons each week <laughs> like one, I'm glad one that shows one thing i 'm wondering is what what 's the difference in terms of preaching in in those two contexts in other words, for yeah. like we 're not orthodox, so uh we're we 're a little bit more uh creative's the wrong word, but we 're a little bit more working it out as we go. Then traditions that are sort of purely the liturgical form is just there for you, and you do this, and that's what you do. Right. So how would you say preaching and kind of people who are trying to lean into this classic ordo differs from those who are kind of leaning into the frontier ordo? Is it kind of the, the mode in which preparation is done? Is it the
2: mode in which the sermon is preached? Is it the content is
1: different in some way? Or how do you, how do you kind
2: of think about that? Yeah, that's worth a whole podcast by itself. Yeah. So I want to come back and talk about that in a fuller way with my beef. But, <laughs> oh, okay. uh, yeah. So there's a little, a little uh, trying to get myself invited back. I think uh, the preparation would be uh, very similar. The time spent, you know, uh, meditating, thinking about the uh, Bible would be similar. The looking for deep wisdom from other people, and other generations, and other places, and other ethnic groups would be similar. All those kind of good practices of preaching. But I think at the end of the day, a sermon kind of in a frontier ordo would get measured by, did someone get converted? Hmm. Did someone cross a line today? Which is a good thing to have happen uh, each week, where I think living uh, the teaching part of this deep fourfold ordo uh, otherwise is, did we participate that we reflect God's glory and His grace today, and it's not an either or, it's not like it's, right. something's happening in one, it isn't happening in the other, but it's a resting then in the glory in the grace of God to do this over time. Slow, uh, worship mm-hmm. you could think of it as slow teaching, I guess, yeah, too, right? Yeah. In some ways, but it's this bigger thing that doesn't get measured in individual conversions or nor does it get measured in the conversation on the way to the car or the way to the subway at the, after the service where you say, hey, was that worship good for you? That isn't, the, <laughs> that isn't the main question. Did that move you today? That isn't the main question. The main yeah. question is, uh, did we glimpse the glory of God? Right. Uh, did, and we, did we live into becoming our truest, deepest selves? It's a whole different kind of orientation. And I think for a preacher, it's, it, and for any participant, it would be quite freeing. Yeah. Do you, so
0: if we looked at the, so we're zooming. I want to zoom out a little bit and and get some historical context because you did men. You mentioned the, kind of the time frame when frontier ordo started started really taking off. Right. So we, so essentially the, is it called the orthodox ordo? Classic. Classic. Ordo. The classic order, ordo. Classic yeah, ordo. You could, you could say that. So that was kind of the model for worship for. 1800 years give or, or something. take right okay. so and then the frontier ordo sort of gets gets created which I love that term by the way I can't get enough of the idea of frontier ordo <laughs> I like the ordo. two words such a great contrast It seems to coincide obviously with the American
2: individual and and American Yeah, Yeah. individualism. So if you think of the making your own way. Late seventeen hundreds, early eighteen hundreds. So imagine there's churches all throughout North America, especially in the United States there are. But those churches feel to people like they're boring and they feel like they're disengaged from culture and they feel like they're disengaged. So you go to church and you think, I'm not living the deep wisdom of the church, I'm sleeping. Hmm. So then a front, you can imagine a frontier evangelist then coming in and say, we've got to change this. These old forms, the way we're remembering our baptism, the way we're celebrating Eucharist, the way we're being sent has become so dusty and so stodgy, there doesn't seem to be any life in it. And so then someone like George Whitefield comes on the scene, um, who is an amazing speaker uh, by all estimation. Some people say, I think maybe it was Ben Franklin, but someone said, I would show up Uh, because he would draw thousands of people without amplification. He could speak to all of them. Uh, I think it was Franklin or someone said, I would show up just to hear him say Mesopotamia because he could make make men and women weep by just saying Mesopotamia. (laughs) But he looked at these kind of, you know, whether it's Methodist, whether it's Anglican, whether it's Catholic, whether it's Reformed, whatever, services and said, there is no life in them. So we need to get out of the church and have this auxiliary place where we can uh, really capture people's imaginations. Hmm. Uh, I wanna quote one of my favorite people. I don't know him well, but a theologian named John Nevin said this, because the, the tyranny, what happens then is, you it feels like it's your job to change people. It's your job to hook people. And you get how this works in the United States because it's it's kind of entertaining kind of style. It's less participation. It's more you watching the professionals. Do the liturgy, which is a contradiction in terms, actually? You know, to have other people do the work—that's your work, the work of the people. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it's but it's engaging, and so I mean, we—I would say we were really f- shaped by this. The first years of Grant Springs, believing this was the way, maybe the only way, to really capture people's imaginations and have individual life change happen. But I love what one theologian said in the 1800s. I don't know John Nevin. I haven't read a lot of him, but I like this quote a lot. He said that what happens is you end up with a tyranny of the what he calls, and I quote, the ever-changing new. You're, you're hmm. lost in the tyranny of the ever-changing new. And here's what he says, if it be true that the old forms, the old order we could say, are dead and powerless in a minister's hand, the fault is not in the forms, but in the minister <laughs> yeah. and it is the very impotence of quackery isn't that a great phrase it is the very impotence of quackery to think of mending the case by the introduction of new forms hmm. so i think what That's we've learned at grant springs is like there's there's mission in the old forms there's vitality in the old forms but but i mean we we're all sympathetic to people who've lived the old forms and found them really dead but the what our friend Nevin is saying is the solution isn't to throw out the forms. The solution is to say, "Let the mission that's in them uh, come out." Yeah, uh,
0: this is a very unique, uniquely American idea, but there's almost a sense of capitalism or of competition right. within this within this frontier ordo. We want to be we want to be the church. We want to be the church that fixes your soul. Yeah. in some ways like if if you come here we can we can make your life better or we can help you love Jesus more it's almost it it feels maybe i'm projecting a little bit on how and this maybe is my next question is how you think how do you think this frontier ordo manifests itself today if we assume that the classic ordo is essentially unchanged in modern churches that practice it I wonder how the frontier ordo manifests itself.
2: Yeah, that's. I think that's a great question. I think th- it comes in a bunch of different forms and different styles. It's interesting that the folks who theologically would buy in, to, to use that uh, <laughs> word, would buy in and be taught the classic ordo, have themselves said, but it doesn't work, so then it becomes what works. It's very utilitarian idea. Mm. And... Um, they end up doing some hybrid or some uh, kind of made up version or some experimentation. Uh, you know, as a as an evangelist person, as a church planter, I'm sympathetic to anybody who says, we really want our services to deeply engage people sure. and to connect with them. But it can be, I think what you're kind of leading in this direction, Aaron, it can be kind of uh, lend itself to competition. Our lights are better, our music is better, our preaching is better, so come here. Where if you're living the classic ordo, it should detox. If you're in a good spiritual spot, (laughs) which we aren't 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 always, but it should say we're we're living the gospel with joy and freedom. Uh, We don't need uh, right. It's not a competitive. It's not a competition kind of thing. Yeah,
1: it it strikes me from what you were saying about sort of this almost cap. There's a capitalist element that, um. Marketing is essentially the frontier ordo. And yeah. it wouldn't shock me if marketing is essentially pulling this from the frontier ordo, hmm. right? Where if you think about any advertisement, there's, there's probably some kind of warm up. There's introduction of a problem or something like that. You get the message, you get the truth about the product, and then there's always a call to action, that's a part of this, and <laughs> right. that in its, itself is essentially your effective kind of advertisement model. If something doesn't, if an advertisement doesn't have a call to action, eh, it's no or good a, to decide it's, to it's, do something. Right, you to have, act, but it's mm-hmm. going to call you to do something, even if it's sort of a cryptic Super Bowl ad that just flashes a URL on the screen at the end. Right? There, there's an implicit call to action in this, and so one of the things that's interesting then is, you know, one one of the things I'm thinking about is how does this. This is a fascinating conversation for people who are involved in worship and who are shaping these things, but why should someone who just comes to a church kind of care, especially if they find it entertaining and rejuvenating and... Uh, you know what? I've I've even grown closer to Jesus yeah. through this, which we're, I don't
2: think any of us are saying is it impossible. <laughs> well, <laughs> and there's right, and there's probably a lot of listeners who said, "Wait a minute! I became a Christian because of the Frontier Ordo, right, and now right. you're kind of throwing water on uh, my spiritual fire kind yeah, of thing." Yeah. And I, I, you know, that's really helpful. And one one way to maybe think about it is as an evangelistic tent meeting. Maybe the Frontier Ordo is is more of a helpful thing. It's maybe when it comes into the main worship of the church where the church says this now is worship that it kind of shifts or takes oh, on. You could you could maybe say it makes sense as an evangelistic event, not maybe the only one, and maybe not for every community in every situation, but it could make sense. But when you bring it in as the deep practice of the church, then it, it's, it's over time becomes... Um, well, be, it becomes uh i would say tiresome but it becomes burdensome in the sense that if what you're saying matt is okay we're talking about patience now live patience that's Mm -hmm. the message and then next week we're talking about joy now live joy (laughs) uh and the next week we're talking about uh kindness let's live kindness you think wait a minute i'm still working on patience (laughs) and now you got joy and kindness and self-control to go through the fruit of the spirit uh just that way it becomes about you rather than the freedom of saying this is my story this is my i'm living into this right And so the, the idea would be this deep old ordo would be life-giving in a way that it wouldn't depend on you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. I wondered too if um, it's the
1: classic ordo is just a helpful corrective, sort of almost a rewiring opportunity. So in other words, if there is sort of this continuity between the frontier ordo and like our a demand for responsiveness and some of the marketing, like that's how so much of our lives are ordered. There's right. something uh, sort of that happens that demands a response, you respond. There's something that happens that demand- Like so much of our life is reactive, whether that's uh, dealing with an orthodontic bill or whatever the case might be. Um, and, but the classic order, it, it, ha- it doesn't, sort of is, it doesn't demand a response in the same way. Uh, it has opportunities to respond, but it's also based in just deeper kind of rituals, maybe to use that word in, and to use it in a, meaning a positive way. Right. There's sort of these deep practices that let you move through so that you're not always, you're rehearsing the story and you're not creating the story each time. In some sense, I think, that's an invitation to rewire a whole way of thinking about our lives, not just how we think about worshiping on Sunday mornings, Yeah. Um, where we are participating in, but not necessarily creating at every moment, which sometimes it can feel like when we're always being called to a response, we are always kind of the,
2: single, the singular creator of our lives. Right. So then and that's a very uniquely, it's not just American, but I think it's a uniquely Western culture thing. We are... We're all given our lives, this wonderful, amazing life. And then it's our job to make something of it. Mm. Where, you know, then it really, you know, if your life is chaotic, which I think every life is at some point and your family's chaotic, which every family is at some point, then it's all because you screwed up. You messed it up. Mm. Where the deep ordo is you're living this story of grace. You're part of this story of grace. You're remembering your deepest identity as a gift, not something you create or build. Or, I mean, there are decisions along the way but it's inherently a gift. So if you imagine starting a worship service, remembering your baptism, whether you use that language or not, you're remembering that you either have or are invited to die and rise um, in Christ, which is a pretty profound <laughs> way to live and to reorient your life. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting
1: layer here because we might, we might see the frontier ordo and say there's something about it that's passive, Right, you sort of sit there, and these things kind of happen to you. Uh, ironically, that passivity doesn't coincide with receiving. In other words, we might think that passive and reception sort of you sit there, and so you receive. But it's actually, I think, what we're saying is, is the classic order where where your whole experience is ordered around receiving, because it's this it's this image of gift. And so the the classic order where you tend to probably be more active is right. also where you more fully receive uh, grace and this experience of um, participating with God's work in your life rather than sort of being the solo independent one.
2: Yeah, so imagine, um, imagine a um, person come, again, we talked about this person who's 5 and 10 and 15 and 20, and they just remember over and over again, they hear this message, life is a gift from God that I receive and live. And the the idea, the theology, the idea is real practically, is that every week you don't leave dragging around, thinking I, I, as one person explained the gospel to me, I suck, God saves me. You don't walk around saying I suck um, and God saves me, but God's really renewing the whole cosmos. And there's a a much bigger kind of beautiful thing going on.
0: I love that. I think it's important to note that the these elements of a classic ordo water word prayer table do not necessarily mean that a service looks exactly the same every week right, and mm-hmm. it doesn't look exactly the same from church to church right so I think it's I, I think it's really crucial to being able to embrace a classic ordo to be able to say no i want i want to use you know, we're using modern language. We're going to use modern music, or at least really well-thought, carefully considered music and elements and prayers right. and words, uh, multi-generational participation. All these things can fit within the context of all kinds of different denominations, really, Absolutely. and churches and communities. So uh, if you're looking to be doing a classic ordo, there, it's it's a highly adaptable idea. You're not having to tr- cram your church into one, like a one size uh, deal. So I don't know. I think that's important to know.
2: That's, I think that's really, uh, really a keen and hope, helpful observation. Because some people say, in my neighborhood, uh, given illiteracy rates, let's say, or in my neighborhood, given there's like six or eight different languages, or in my neighborhood where people come from a certain country or something, this classic order won't work. But what you just said is so exactly right. This is the deep, underbiting wisdom. This is trans-denominational. Mm-hmm. This is trans-contextual or cultural. The local leaders still need to work, do the work of contextualization. As soon as you pick a language, mm-hmm. you've said something about what kind of church you're going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as you pick music, you say something about what kind of church you're going to be. But underneath all of that is this deep order that is a gift in every neighborhood and every situation. So I, I think that's a great... Great point, Aaron. I think it goes back even to the opening metaphor
1: of we're talking about the blueprint. We're not talking about the the paint colors. We're not talking about the furniture or even how you're using certain rooms. Right. Uh, we're talking about the the overarching structures. And then I think there is a sense in which the form helps us move into functions that are going to help us flourish better but it doesn't it doesn't necessarily dictate exactly how those functions play out right
0: you really wanted to go back to your blueprint <laughs> it just
1: it was a golden <laughs> opportunity I, I, so
0: it sounds like it's time to wind up, wind up wind down wind up <laughs> wind down. wrap up wind down <laughs>
2: Get pumped I think that's up right. to wind down. <laughs> I think that's right. Everybody, <laughs> get ready to be get, done. Get, get,
1: get, get psyched. <laughs> Dur- crank up this podcast because we're almost finished.
0: <laughs> we thought we would. We tried this a couple episodes ago, and I think it's a good way to sort of summarize. So, what the idea is, we'll encapsulate just a little bit so, something that we'll I'll leave here thinking about, like maybe an especially poignant question. That's my thing. My thing is poignancy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> and if, if, we leave that, if we leave with that, I think that's a helpful way. And, I, and I'll start maybe, and we don't need have to have one, but I, I think I would like to again sort of summarize the elements of the classic ordo. Actually, maybe Kevin, I'll ask you
2: to do it for us. Sure. So, the classic elements, according to Constance Cherry, who's uh, written a book on worship architecture, she would describe it as water, and then some kind of teaching or word, um, and then table, some Eucharist or communion, we'll call it, and then ascending, often the blessing at the end or ascending song kind of thing. Beautiful. And I love the way, again, I love the way
0: that that mirrors the life of Christ, sort of that we get to do that every week. I think that's great. That's all I want to say.
1: Okay, that wasn't fair, because if you just left at the first part, I, I wouldn't have overlapped with you because I think the thing that stands out to me is, yeah, this the way it maps to the Gospel of Matthew. But if I was to say something else, it would be you
0: don't have to. It no, be done. I will.
1: I will. It was as I was reflecting on this, kind of how um, helpfully counter this can be to the rhythms of the rest of our life. Mm. Uh, you know, some that the it's not just the the content of what's talked about on a Sunday morning, but the very rhythm of entering. That space can be isn't always necessarily, but can be quite different, and can kind of help be a, a reset or rewiring.
2: Yeah, if I were going to chime in, I'd say something like, "I think uh, what we do around here, we're biased about it uh, unabashedly, <laughs> is just is really believe that this classic ordo has mission in every aspect of it, so it's accessible." Um, when done in a winsome, contagious, contextually relevant kind of way, all that is sort of a way to say uh, those classic elements are really wonderfully engaging and you don't need to toss them out because you've experienced them in a dull way. You can instead say, help me understand them. And I think that's one of the things both of you and we as a church do fairly well is uh, kind of invite people into a deeper understanding of them.
0: This is why I love having Kevin here. You know you're going to get a real beautiful point right at the end. That was so good. So I, I don't have, have a few I things I'd like to be No, Matt.
2: I'm not point yet. i have about
1: four points I'd like to add. No, to the I'm end cutting them out. Statement.
0: I'm cutting them out. Maybe five. Maybe five. <laughs> Oh, that was well said. Thanks, Kevin, for being our guest yeah, today. thanks,
1: Kevin. Always a treat to be with you, too. This well, is it's a, a treat to have you. <laughs> this is a very interesting topic <laughs> And it's a treat to, to all of our listeners' neighbors to listen to you. <laughs> Cranked up on the sound. So, uh, uh, yeah, everybody, job. turn up your music.
2: We want your neighbors eight houses down <laughs> to hear what we're talking about. <laughs> they might be very confused.
0: Cool. Uh, well, thanks for turning us up super loud while you listened, everybody out there. And uh, until next time, I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. I'm Kevin. Thanks for being curious with us.